Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the six Alpha Discussions today with the Discussions team. Uh, so we do these to give you guys an update on what we've been working on discussions, as well as cover some of the stories you might have missed uh, browsing discussions. So I'm your host, Jack, and with me today, we have Paul and Brian. What up, guys? Hey, everybody. How's everybody holding up with the uh, pandemic still looming at large? Um, good. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of chores yeah. around the home. Oh. So, you know, getting all this bad at this time, but it's not yeah. bad. <laughs> it's not yeah. too bad right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I guess we're still holding up, but we haven't been uh, uh, taken down by the coronavirus yet. So we're still working. In terms of uh, what we've been working on, uh, this last week has mostly been stuff in the back. Uh, we added a new a confirmation message when you give a tip so that you can see exactly who you were tipping to and uh, we also added that in the wallet tab because I know some of our users were confused to what they were doing in the wallet tab section so we are looking at many many ways to improve the UI and make it a lot more easy to understand so that'll be coming up and you might have realized that uh, you might have noticed that the discussions layout has changed so again this is part of the process while we move towards making the site a lot more user-friendly and just making everything look a little bit more cleaner. So yeah, so that's pretty much for the uh, development updates. Um, and so I know you guys weren't here last week, Paul and Brian, but uh, I'm not sure if you guys listened to the full interview because it was pretty long. But we had Bank or Neos Nation uh, on the show last week where we talked about uh, the liquidity pool that they recently opened up with X Nation as well as the worker proposal system. So as you guys might or might not have known, Atmos is now uh, on XNation with a liquidity pool. We're still tinkering uh, with how the system works. Uh, they just released it a few weeks back and there are a lot of bugs, but uh, make sure you go check it out if you want to purchase or sell uh, some Atmos because there is a pretty big spread on Mudex at the moment, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. It was a great uh, interview, good insight. Um, I really, I actually appreciated the perspective from, from pretty much everyone on that, um, on that broad, broad swath. Uh, I like the Bancor guys, they seem cool. Mm -hmm. uh, seem like they're actually pretty in line with the way we look at uh, the blockchain, broader blockchain ecosystem. So it was nice to hear people are, you know, into the idea of a cross chain, less tribal sort of building stuff that helps everyone work together. So it's nice. Yeah, it's a nice change. It's very different from some of the other projects that I've uh, seen and you know heard about. Cross-chain is something that's very good for the community, I think, in cryptocurrency in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, some communities are just very cult-like and they're very against any idea of cross-chain compatibility. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, even now, like, it was funny because I saw a Twitter thread the other day where it was, oh, I think it was the EDM guy. He's like, oh, um, uh, Rap BTC, which is basically uh, a um, a representation of Bitcoin uh, on the EDM network. He's like, oh, it's coming, great, but I won't use it. Uh, it's useless. So again, it's like one of those things where you have some kind of cross-chain compatibility, but it gets shut down so quickly by uh, the very vocal members of the community. Yeah, it's it's like that in a lot of communities. Like, I think Bancor and EOS Nation is one of the few ones that are not like that. 
Yeah. Interestingly, yeah, I actually didn't notice, but uh, EOS Nation's uh, liquidity portal w was uh, had ETH on it as well. And they are adding the the same liquidity pool function where you could pool, um, you could add basically to the liquidity pool. So let's say if you're holding some Atmos at the moment and you have some Bancor sitting around and you want to add to that liquidity pool, uh, you could do that. So that actually first got rolled out on EOS, on the X Nation portal, but they're going to be rolling that out for EDM as well. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of interesting that they, they, they roll it out on EOS first. Uh, I'm not sure if that is because uh, EOS, the uh, liquidity is a little bit lower, so therefore the risk is a little bit lower. And uh, also, yeah. Yeah, also EDM smart contracts, you can't change them. So, you know, if you mess up. I, there, think, I think EOS is more like the test bed, frankly. It's like, it's more flexible. Yeah. Um, you, can, you, can do, you can do a bunch of testing on it. it doesn't, it's not going to drain your funds with, with gas fees. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for, for that idea. And then, then you can, once you have it kind of nailed, you can deploy on Ethereum, less risky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely value for becoming the experimental playground. I mean, that's where innovation comes from. And, and again, I, I said this on Twitter the other day, that where a lot of the DeFi stuff is happening on Ethereum. And I, I get it because, you know, it is the, it does have the biggest liquidity pool. It was the space where ICO was born. But I do wonder if like the gas model of Ethereum is somewhat limiting to limiting what what kind of project, what kind of decentralized finance projects can be developed. So I'm, I'm interested to see like uh, right now on EOS, we're just basically copying what they have on Ethereum. Uh, I, I want to start seeing more innovative designs that takes advantage of the EOS model rather than just trying to replicate it. From yeah, I, I agree. I think um, not being limited by the gas fee issue mm -hmm. is is definitely a huge opening to start exploring. Like how how best can you provide uh, the DeFi services that you couldn't really do on Ethereum? And Ethereum is very limited in that sense. Obviously, there's some advantages to the way Ethereum is set up, but um, you know that's that's something I think the exploration of that's going to be interesting. I do think in in some ways the unified ID could have a have an interesting place to play on that because that's like the one disadvantage obviously is like if you're trying to interact with EOS um, while you don't have the gas fees to pay for, you do have this um, more complex account system and um, you know, resource management, which is a bit of a hassle. So that is some place where I think there could be a, a pretty, you know, very lightweight, very frictionless um, decentralized finance um, happening with the aid of, of something like unified ID, if not unified ID itself. So. Yeah. That second layer, I guess, is kind of the key for EOS in a lot of ways. Yeah, second layer and developers actually just, we, we starting to see a lot. Like I was always drumming on about this, like you should pay for your, your users' resources. Right. We're seeing that a lot more, like a lot more, which is good. Yeah, it would be interesting to see, um, well, and that's the thing, like that's where the unified ID, we basically made it plug and play. If you were a new, a new DAP that wanted to get started and you weren't well funded, mm -hmm. um, you know, you put in, you, you integrate unified ID and um, you know, we we slash our partners could all kind of contribute to a larger pool to help um, you know build out an ecosystem of unified ID users, um, which will ultimately help us because there's a bunch of people cross marketing. You know, this this single login system that um, you know works across the board. So I do think I mean I think that's where you know that's actually where Bancor needs to go in terms of working with EOS because it is still. That's a huge, a huge hurdle to get over for most people is getting, just getting involved into EOS 
So they, they have been a lot more active. Like they they were always active on the EOS ecosystem, but I think they're more now with the launch of the liquidity pool. Yeah. So well, it would be nice to. I mean, it would be nice to get into the the nitty gritty on that. I mean, maybe not in a public forum, but in, a, in discussions with those guys, just to kind of figure out like. You know, have they thought about it? Have they looked at what we're doing with Unified AB? Because yeah. it is a solution to allowing um, not just not just decentralized finance, but it, it seems like that would be a good spot for it to be able to, um, you know, allow casual users who are earning tokens or other things from other places without having to have the whole, your manager accounts. Or even if I'm buying EOS from an exchange, that's fine, but it does mean I don't get to take advantage of EOS unless I put that into the ecosystem, build the account, fund it well enough or constantly be buying recs um, in order to actually use my, my purchases. So, you know, there's something to be said for that, that collaboration, I think. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's still, it's still a long way to go for Unified if, if we're being honest, like, uh, but I think we could definitely reach there uh, with our offering that we will go out in the future. Uh, speaking of liquidity pools, NewDex actually just launched their own liquidity pool, which is uh, interesting timing. Uh, coming in just, I think, two weeks after the after the Bancor liquidity pool. Yeah, what's the, um, it, is it essentially that work the same way? I mean, are they basically just the same model? Just one is sponsored by that? I mean, I guess what's the... I'm so not sure if the new DEX swap function, like uh, their smart contract is actually decentralized though. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it seems like it still s works off of like their exchange, if I'm not mistaken, but I have to read more into it. Yeah, and it looks like they only have a lim limited amount of tokens for swap, and of those, Atmos is not one. So uh, a big thumbs down for me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, so it must, I mean, that's, they're, they're, they're limiting it for a reason, because they're you know, yeah. they're not just throwing it out there the way uh, Bancor did, which was like create your own. You know, which I think yeah, is a great, great system. decentralized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, it is interesting to see that New Dex is jumping in um, to this swapping game. Well, it, it it could make it easier to have combined, like take all the liquidity pools out there, and then mm -hmm. have a very like massive, um, you know, take it in totality. It's a it's a much larger liquidity situation. But you know that that'll require another front end <laughs> that that doesn't exist. <laughs> I wonder if they are like they're looking to like compete with uh, Bancor though, like not not compete with Bancor on you know, the level that they're on at the moment. But obviously, we do have like EOS sister chains, and if right. Bancor does start you know doing these pools, um, they could use the, they could say okay, well, put up uh, how much ever Atmos tokens and then put up how much NDX, which is their token, and create right. a liquidity pool. And then because they're on all these different blockchains, they could actually do the cross-chain exchanges better. Because if you have a BP on every single one of these sister blockchains, like that's your gateway basically. Right. I mean, I do think that, that Nudex is probably looking at this as a way for projects to, to market make more effectively, not have to like, I mean, this essentially provides, if you have a liquidity pool on Nudex, um, my assumption is if you're a project that they've offered it to, is that you can then, you know, do market making kind of in an automated way. So it would make sense for them to start cross-chain functionality for the, because there are several projects that have kind of started bridging the chains. So, you know, it would make sense to kind of fill out that ecosystem a bit. Exactly. 
Uh, so yeah, Brian, do you have anything to add on this new walk, new deck swap thing? Have you used it? I haven't used it yet, but it mm -hmm. feels like you know they have nothing to do. Like new decks has nothing to do. It's introducing different liquidity pool. Yeah, it's just yeah. more transactions, more fees, right? Yeah. Um, whether or not they're gonna link their new decks token to the liquidity pools is, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems I mean, like a good idea for them. <laughs> yeah. They're they're the biggest they're the they're the biggest player in the EOS token exchange now. So. Mm -hmm. Which is not a big pool, like granted, but still, you know, that's something. Well, I think part of the reason why they introduced the liquidity pool was, you know, Bancard started it and they're like, yeah. it's not very expensive for them to do the yeah. same thing. I wonder if they have been doing this, like they've been planning this uh, in the back. I think they might have, because this doesn't look like yeah, a rush uh, product. I, I don't know about that. I, I don't yeah. think they were planning about it, planning to use it until they saw like the success of the Bancard liquidity pool. Yeah, yeah, it's probably like something they had in the back burner. And then once yeah. he, it's all like Becker and X Nation, I was like, okay, well, now we gotta move it up a little bit. Yeah, move up the priority, and now they have it. Okay, um, so while we had ES Nation on, we also talked about the new worker proposal system. Uh, the conversation around that has kind of died down, actually. So if you don't know, uh, the worker proposal system is basically the mechanism for the EOS block producers to start funding projects. Uh, so they put in about 500, no, sorry, not 500, 50,000 EOS, which translate to a little bit over 100,000 US dollars uh, for a two-month trial period. So the money is already there. Technically, the system hasn't launched yet. It's just two more multi-sigs away from being launched. And then playing around with it, uh, I was talking to ES Nation about it, and a lot of community members have concerns about uh, the system getting abused, and among them is Brendan Bloomer, the CEO of Block One. So obviously, when he says something, uh, everyone pays attention. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so he said he was really worried about that uh, the system being abused, being corrupted. But I think the benefit outweighs the potential risk, and that's my opinion. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think the. You know, worst case is it's like a limited, it's a limited pool of funds. So it's not like it's like, okay, this is going to be an unlimited amount of money that people could, could drain. Yeah. Um, you know, compared to the uh, BP rewards, it's, it's not that much, you know, broadly speaking. So, um, you know, worst case, I guess it's what a way for whales to just have stuff they like get funded. I mean, well, the thing is that, oh, um, Yes, it's still possible for whale to influence, obviously, because, you know, the whales do have a huge say in electing the BPs. Uh, but the interesting thing is that they made it so that every um, block producer that is getting paid, so that's about like 60 of them, gets one vote. So it's, it's an interesting balance, I think, like, because, yeah, you sure you could get all your block producers in, but a whale only has 30 votes. So right. There, there is some like checks and balances uh, that they put in place. Right, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a huge risk. It, mm -hmm. Like that's the worst possible case. I and mean, even still, it's still voting on projects that ultimately could probably get um, funded. And you know, what, what is it? Like someone puts up something that's total nonsense and it gets funded. I mean, that's going to be a reputational hit to the whole system. So I actually feel like there's incentive to prevent that in, in a lot of ways, you know. So I, I think it's worth playing with. I think the amount of money is, is reasonable, um, you know. So we'll see. I mean, I'd like to see what, what projects, what's the first couple projects get funded out of this, if it's stuff that everyone's been begging for, or if it's, 
you know, random things. I think, uh, so for Telos, uh, a lot of their, they, they, they do fund a lot of development work. So for like websites, for like portals into the blockchain. And obviously EOS doesn't do that. So the, there's websites like Blocks and EOS Nation that come to that come step in to do that role. So there is there is like um, I don't know. I think it's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of drama surrounding it because this is essentially state fund, right? And if you're funding projects, you're competing with private individuals that are doing the same thing and trying to get rewards for it. So I don't know, like one of the first things I thought was like, okay, this would be great for funding Scatter because Scatter is so integral to the EOS ecosystem. But right now we are seeing uh, different uh, offerings like Wombat and uh, Gray Mass has a wallet called Anchor that's coming out. So they're right. getting products. So if you fund Scatter with this money, you're funding a competitor to destroy like, a, I don't know, it's, it's gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of debate over it, I think. I mean, I, I do agree with that aspect, but I mean, at the same time, we're not talking about funding these projects in perpetuity. It's like, here's the bootstrap money you need so you can be functional, knowing that EOS needs, I mean, think about it. Like if we didn't have the amount of Atmo or the amount of EOS we have in order to provide transactions on discussions, like, you know, we wouldn't really have a project. Mm -hmm. We'd have to have users, like unified ID wouldn't work. Like, I, I don't know, there's just some flexibility there that I think is like reasonable. Um, so I mean, obviously, Scatter can win a win a uh, a worker proposal, but so could any of the other projects. True. Um, so you know, what is it, why do they need the funds? Do they need the funds because they don't have a sound business model, so they're they're running out of money, or do they need the funds because there's a hurdle they need to get over? And this is like venture venture funds, but but they're just raising it from the system that they're working on. So I mean, I think it's a I think I think ultimately, as I said, I don't think it's such a crazy amount of money that you know, what's it, 25K per month? Uh, no, the it's 25K EOS, so that's... Okay, so it's like 50K, 50, yeah. 60K, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but your, your proposal, like two proposals could win or three proposals could win per month, so... Um, or yeah. no proposals could win. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, I'm excited about it. I, I'm just, I'm actually kind of curious that, like, no, the, the Telegram group is not very active, considering, you know, if you're someone looking to get that funding and it's not an insignificant amount of funding, Right. Be active. Right. Yeah. So I'll drop a link down below if you're listening and you wanna, you know, find out more about the worker proposal system and you wanna go check out the Telegram group, which I highly, highly recommend you do. Go check that out. Okay, so we're gonna have a small break. Uh, and we're gonna give you some of our partners and what they've been doing. So MPT Metal Packaging Token, smarter company ProCan, they have stuff shifted, uh, shifted their manufacturing away from producing machines, uh, metal can machines, to machines that produce N95 masks. So as you all probably have heard of N95 masks right now, they are very popular, they are needed for the medical personnel uh, that are fighting on the front line of this coronavirus um, pandemic. So we just wanna highlight that because that's pretty cool. Uh, our other partner, Pummel. Pummel is a uh, fitness rewarding project. Uh, they recently added two new members, a personal coach as well as a nutrition specialist and onboarded a business partner. So if you're interested in learning who those team members and which partners they have onboarded, go check that out. And lastly, we have Blockbase, uh, the blockchain apply to database. They're gonna launch the beta on the mainnet. The beta has been on the available on the testnet for 
well, testing for quite a while now, and they're ready to go on the mainnet on April 22nd. So once again, if you are interested in checking out the beta, uh, I'll leave a link down below. Okay, back to our content discussion. And this week, Binance has been all over the headlines. So if you have been living under a rock or just, uh, you know, not looking at crypto because of how depressing the last few weeks has been, Binance has confirmed they are acquiring CoinMarketCap. So CoinMarketCap is one of those sites that where I wake up and I click on it almost as like an automatic reflex. So... <laughs> Yeah, um, interesting purchase for $400 million. So obviously Binance is not hurting uh, you know, too much in this market, but uh, obviously, you know, CoinMarketCap, I, I, don't, I don't know the, uh, you know, people say that watch is a big problem. You know, the volume on CoinMarketCap is, Coin is faked. Some people say Binance purchases goods, people say it's bad. Uh, I honestly don't know enough to, to say one way or the other, so. What do, what do you guys think? I think that's an absurd purchase that it was 400 million. Um, but, you know, I guess Binance has the money. So <laughs> I, I don't really see the value in coin market cap as like a, you know, I mean, it has first mover advantage and all that, but like, it's not like a complex website. So, you know, anyone could build their own tracker of crypto if they wanted to. I don't know. It's uh, it. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's four hundred million dollars. Like, I think, I think there must have been some proprietary data that they're trying to buy, and maybe that will improve like finance itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> it just seems like a lot for uh, you know. Sorry. I can't make out what you're saying, Brian. Oh, I was just wondering if like coin market cap was, you know, just taking a bunch of Binance tokens in exchange for the site kind of thing, so, or yeah. if it was a cash purchase. Uh, it's, a, it's a mix of everything. Uh, so according to rumors uh, and, you know, unconfirmed leaks that the purchase was made with cash, stock, and Binance tokens. Now, stock of what company? I am not sure. But uh, BNB is, actually, is definitely involved in that trans transaction. I see. Because that's the only way they can like justify the four hundred million, right? Because yeah. I don't think they have four hundred million of cash, where they will want to spend it on just like a data service. Yeah, I mean it's a data service, but at the same time, it is that um, you know it is the place you will go to to see how the market's doing. So there is a lot of influence there as well. Yeah, I think it's. I think this is precisely what it is. I think it's a way to um, to push. Uh, Binance tokens, things that are listed on Binance to the forefront more um, more readily because I mean CoinMarketCap doesn't have to list a project. There's no, like they make their own rules. They can delist projects whenever they want. Um, so ultimately this could be a long-term play in order to sort of like capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like CoinMarketCap has kind of lost its luster. I mean over the ensuing years, I remember it was the only place I would go and look and now I, I don't think I've been there in the last couple of weeks. Oh really? What what do you check the yeah. price now? I just honestly I don't I don't really think about broadly the market in the same way anymore. I just it's sort of like what do I care what you know the top one hundred coins are doing anymore? It's not like I'm looking for gems or trying to find like new projects. It's kind of like yeah. Also knowing now a little bit more about the coin market cap listing process, it's sort of like you know I mean the fact is like Atmos should be listed on coin market cap. It's a broadly more active project than like 
you know, you get into page three or four on CoinMarketCap, most of those projects are dead mm-hmm. uh, completely. So I do know that like, you know, at a certain point, yeah, I guess tracking what the top 10 are doing, but you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, I, I, I tend to go to CoinGecko now when I go to places. Um, CoinGecko is much more responsive in general. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's just kind of a funny, funny thing. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an innocent purchase in the sense, like I think that CoinMarketCap's value will be less in the service of the market and more in the service of finance from this oh, point yeah, forward. Sure. So, you know, I agree. I don't think the, the funny thing is the funny thing is a founder a founder of C, like a founder of finance Zhao, like he said that uh, the acquisition would enable us to build on each other's strengths and further oh. grow and instill transparency in the industry. I'm not sure how them purchasing it would you know, increase <laughs> the transparency. Yeah, and uh, the the coin market cap side also said that uh, they will commit that they it will help they will uh, maintain their independence and neutrality and. You know, when but you're they're doing the internal company. restructuring, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe this like the spin off the website and everything else uh, would be independent, as in <laughs> outside the company. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what they it's, meant. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I just don't see the value of coin market cap being four hundred million, but they must be. They must see something in it. No, I think it's the data fees they build up over the year. I think that's gonna be it. And, and imagine being able to trade on coin market cap and it's like, okay, I see it's up seven percent. Buy, you know, that could be mm. a pretty good source of uh, I don't know, user. That's the opposite. Of what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to sell when it's up seven percent. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> Not financial advice. <laughs> Not because of any legal reason, just because it's bad advice. <laughs> okay, so um, moving on from Binance to more Binance. So uh, last few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, as always two weeks ago, uh, Binance has started to offer rewards for uh, EOS token holders, uh, but in able to do that, uh, in order to be able to do that, they have to vote for BPs. And there was a lot of questions surrounding who they would vote for, since there is no guideline that they published, uh, and people were kind of hoping they would see a guideline before they go and start voting, but no, they just started voting. Uh, but so far, the BPs they have been voting for seem to be the PP, BPs that are pretty capable technically and, you know, in terms of uh, communicating with the uh, community. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think they have someone who's inside that is, um, you know, looking at or listening to the community and making these votes. So yeah, people like EOS Nation, uh, people like uh, Gray Mass, uh, tons of EOS Canada was, uh, they used to vote for them, I guess not anymore. Crypto Lion, the ones that maintain the test net, the jungle test net. Um, they actually voted for Bitfinex, which is kind of interesting. Small vote, but they voted for them nonetheless. WellX, they also voted for WellX. They got one another competing exchange, I guess you call it. But yeah. I think overall, like this is not uh, like they're just voting to line their own pocket. They're, they're, it, it does seem to be they are voting for BPs that would benefit EOS in the long run. So that's good. And did we lose Paul? No, I'm here. Possibly. Just, oh, there he is. Getting noise in the background. I was trying to isolate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So yeah, um, what do you guys think? Uh, I know you guys don't follow too much on the movement of the BPs. Uh, not, I think most people don't. Yeah, I honestly don't. I don't look at the BP <laughs> movements at all. I figure. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah. Hopefully, but someone. Based off someone of the, based off of the, you know, the the block producers that Binance is voting for that you listed off, uh -huh. um, it's a little questionable for me. Seems to oh, be really? very uh, finance heavy, very China favored. Uh huh. Which ones uh, kind uh, of raise your alarm clock? Alarms. Whale X, Whale X in particular. Uh huh. I'm not a big fan of them, but that's that's uh, for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We can talk about it. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, X. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know, they they do play an important role in the ecosystem. Like uh, you know, on the podcast I had, US Nation mm -hmm. exchanges are the onboarding process. Uh, like it or not, uh, centralized or not, we we still need them. Unfortunately, you know, until we can get to like a fully decentralized uh, exchange they are the best we got. I agree. So maintaining those uh, different exchanges, uh, I think is healthy. Mm -hmm. But again, I think I'm, I'm honestly very, very impressed by who they voted for. I really do feel like they have someone either, you know, EOS Nation or one of the other top block producers is kind of giving them, you know, advice on who to vote for. Probably. Yeah, because again, like a lot of these BPs, yeah, for sh some of them offer uh, vote of reward, and you know, EOS Nation does that, but a lot of them don't, um, and they're more like technically focused uh, uh, BPs. So like they, they like again, Crypto Lion is one of those BPs that definitely needs to be uh, you know noticed more and voted for more because they maintain the jungle net, and that's. We do all our testings on JungleNet. You know, every single project I know do their testings on JungleNet. Without the JungleNet, you know, just it's just you know, you you could run your own blockchain, but that's not gonna be that's not gonna be nearly uh, enough. Uh, what you call it, like live transactions and like you don't know how the contract will actually react. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, very impressed by what uh, Binance is doing so far. Let's hope they keep it this way because you know. Uh, people are kind of apprehensive about Binance joining in a DPoS chain after the whole debacle with Steam. So yeah, we give them the benefit of the doubt for now. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, I think this is the last topic we have, and that is Block One got sued. Um, have you guys heard about this? Uh, yeah, I was I was looking up up the case. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're actually reading through the documents. Yeah, I think that's. Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty, pretty big fishing expedition. This, this whole thing is like, to me, it sounds like a vulnerability, of course, but I mean, yeah. you know, block one settled with the SEC. They got the slap on the wrist at, yeah. at the end of the day. 24 million pay the fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's... I don't know. This, this suit seems uh, a little late and a little, uh, you know, just it doesn't seem it doesn't seem real. I mean, obviously, Block One's gonna have to devote resources to dealing with it, but I don't think this is gonna have a long term effect on them. Yeah, I feel um, like they're just trying to set some precedents for like future things that they want to complain about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a possibility too. But you know, it's it could also be. I mean, right now is a weird time to file a big lawsuit, mm -hmm. um, just because the courts are largely shut down, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and you know they're doing they're processing some administrative elements, but they're not like doing a lot. Um, 
this might force block one into into discovery, which could be uh, a problem in terms of physically doing that. Um, everything has to be done remotely, and it it just this you know this is just more of a of a pain in the ass than than anything right now. It just depends. I'll be curious to see what the judge does to you know whoever whoever if they're sophisticated enough to deal with a case like this. Um, that still remains to be seen in the blockchain world. Yeah. In the past, case. they haven't really hired any consultants. The judges just kind of went with their gut feeling most of the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what was the... There was another change that got some interest. Sorry? Sorry, I'm just a couple months ago. And it was a similar situation. Brian, you're cutting out. You're, like, very faint sounding. Hey, is this better? Yep. yep. So I believe there was like another lawsuit like uh, several months ago that wasn't as extreme. And the judge that did something similar and they just kind of slapped them on the wrist. And uh, yeah, there was really no technical backing or any consultants that were used for like their judgment. It was just kind of like, yeah, you're in the wrong. Here's a, here's a fine for a couple million dollars kind of thing. The same thing might happen to Blockbase. Or sorry. Uh, <laughs> block one. Yeah. Block one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Let's hope this will be, I mean, what's interesting about this is that it comes with the timing of Binance getting involved with block one roughly, or getting involved with the EOS chain yeah. lawsuits technically against block one slash Bitmax slash Binance. You know, there's like a, a whole thing um, along with the Tron Foundation. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I mean, I just can't imagine anything happening. We won't know anything about it for a while um, because I, the lawsuit was filed in New York. So I don't what think any of those courts are... Well, I, did, I don't think any of the courts are operating in New York right now. So, oh, okay. um, I haven't checked exactly on that, but I know there's been a big slowdown in in the legal, um, you know, the legal field because of courts being closed and, and limited access to things. But you know, this is essentially a securities lawsuit, so could just be a precedent set, could be clarification, because um, if it if it goes against Block One, I mean, that how many other ICOs slash exchanges are then um, on the hook for this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much every, pretty much everything from the, the 2017 madness. So um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I, I think that, um, as I said, I, I don't think it's, um, I, yeah, I, I just don't see, see this going to be that bad. I think at worst there'll be some sort of um, drawn out discovery process and then a settlement and then maybe another lawsuit comes out of that discovery process down the line but you know yeah. I don't know it, it's, it seems a little bit it just doesn't seem like a very good good case or, or it destroys a bunch of other companies in the process because <laughs> because I mean a lot of there's a lot of unregulation you know or, or, or non-regulation and it's not necessarily because the companies are trying to be shady it's just because the clarification isn't there yeah. um, and so I think that you know, you know, it's 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 just hard to say because like technically, I, I mean, I don't really view EOS as a security in the same sense that you would like broadly classify these you know these financial instruments. I think that trying to claim that the exchanges are acting as a broker dealer by providing access to the EOS token is is a stretch. So, you know, I don't know. But some of those exchanges are, in fact, acting as broker dealers for other reasons. So this may this may reveal that, and that could be what the point is here. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, again, I think I think you're right. It's probably just a fishing expedition, like just to see if they get any of them. 
Yep. And plus block one you pay to find. So I think it'd be okay. Okay, so uh, let's wrap this up. What do you guys good. Yeah. Okay, so to close us out, we have a quote uh, submitted by Seth from Boy. And it's a quote by Billy Bragg, which I haven't heard, but I like this quote. Uh, and the quote is, freedom of speech does not guarantee you a platform from which to air your opinions. You may hold trenchant views on a number of subjects, but the fact that the Times won't print your ruminations does not mean you are being oppressed. While freedom of speech gives you the right to dissent and yes, to offend, it does not give you the right to abuse. So I think this is a somewhat controversial uh, quote. I don't think that's how most people think about uh, uh, their freedom of speech, especially in the day of social media, where like, if uh, you know, if people don't give you a platform to speak opinions, uh, you call it censorship. You know, as we've seen the case with uh, Alex Jones and the various different social media platforms that have uh, deplatformed him. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting to say the very least. Interesting take on free speech. Yeah. Okay, and I, I that, tend to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that, uh, thank you guys for listening. And we are discussion next week. All right, take care, everyone. Bye, everybody. Ciao, ciao.